Hey, let me open up with a question. If I were to ask you what you think are some of the best indicators of a person's spiritual health are, what would you say? Best indicators of a person's spiritual health. Maybe you would say something like, I don't know, uh, their, their personal spiritual disciplines, how they read the Bible, are they uh, in, in prayer? Maybe it's possibly uh, Bible knowledge. Maybe it's um, their involvement in the church. Uh, maybe it's their, their level of passion in, in worship, the way they just go after it and just fully uh, just, just worship God and love God. Or, or you could say, it's, is it the frequency uh, with which a person speaks about God? You talk about one who has changed your life and who you love. And so maybe it's, maybe it's that. Or maybe it's holiness. It's do they live upright lives? And they, they live out the commands of Scripture. What I want to do for the next few weeks together is we're going to look at what Jesus says is one of the greatest indicators of spiritual health. You ready for it? The greatest indicators of spiritual health, Jesus says, it's your generosity. Generosity. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he says, an indicator of your heart health is where your treasures are placed. And so with whatever resources that God has given you, because never forget that, that he is the source of every resource. And so with whatever resources God has given you, are you open-handed? Are you open-handed with your resources? Or do you hold it tightly? Do you keep it close to yourself? It's a tremendous indicator of the level of spiritual health that you are experiencing. And so we need to take a few weeks together as a church family just to focus in on generosity in a series that we're calling The Generous Life. The Generous Life. Okay, so is anybody freaking out right now? Anybody? You wouldn't admit it if you were. Somebody's freaking out right now. Church, you know me. You know me. Uh, I don't drive a Maserati. Uh, I don't have gold cufflinks. Uh, I don't have a vacation home in West Palm. Uh, I, I don't even work on pastoral commission. Like at the end of this series, if this means you guys start becoming more generous and start giving more, I'm not going to get a pay raise out of it, right? I, that's not how it works. And so uh, and we're not even going to close this series up with a, a big giving campaign. You know me. As one of your pastors, my heart and my responsibility is to shepherd your soul. And generosity is a soul issue. It's a heart Issue. And so again, Jesus says, Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, your heart is, or that your wallet will call you a liar about your devotion to Jesus before anybody else will. That what you do with your resources will reveal your values and who you actually worship. And so this, this isn't a money series. This is a heart posture series. And man, uh, after this, if, if all of our hearts were on the same page with regards to biblical generosity, collectively, we would be a force. Like if all of our hearts were there on biblical generosity, collectively, we would be a force for good in Boston. And individually, I think every single one of us would find uh, a newfound freedom. 
So I'm excited for this. I don't know how your heart responds when you hear generosity, if you kind of buck up, but I'm actually uh, really excited about this. And so here's where we're going to start this morning. We're going to start in Exodus chapter 35. So if you have a Bible, you want to head on over there, Exodus chapter 35, we'll put it on the screen. You can scroll there. The church app has uh, a Bible on there as well. And this is actually where I'm at in my uh, Bible reading plan. So the timing is, is really, really good. This is kind of that place in your annual Bible reading plan where you start to fall off a little bit. And uh, I get to help you. You just kind of catalyze it and kick it back up again. Uh, Exodus chapter uh, 35. This is the first time in history where the people of God come together for a large-scale act of generosity. And it's a pretty amazing moment that we're about to read here. So uh, before we read, let me give you just a little bit of context, if I can, for Exodus chapter uh, 35. Uh, the book of Exodus is about God saving his people out of slavery uh, in Egypt after being mistreated, after being beaten, after after seeing their children massacred by Pharaoh, God miraculously pulls his people out of slavery in Egypt in this mass exodus, hence the name Exodus. But uh, just as with all of us today, God doesn't just save us from something. God calls us to something. God gives us a purpose. God gives us a mission. And he is forming these people, his people, into a distinct people, a, a special people, so that through these people, the world would see God, his reality, and his goodness. And, and that's true of us today, that God is forming us to be a distinct, unique kind of people. And one of their distinctions is also one of our distinctions, and that is radical generosity. Radical generosity. And so coming out of Egypt, they began moving through the Sinai Peninsula, working their way eventually up to the Promised Land. In Exodus chapter 19, they stop uh, right alongside of Mount Sinai, where God will begin to unveil to them uh, some specifics on how they as God's people are going to be distinct in the world. So you can think uh, this is where the Ten Commandments are given, uh, laws about Sabbath, this whole concept of like resting and uh, trusting God, that even though we're going to take a day off. God's going to show himself faithful and still provide and keep the world spending. Uh, instructions on how to uh, build their portable worship gathering. This is before they get to, to the promised land where they're going to make the temple in Jerusalem. How the, the mobile temple, the tabernacle is called, uh, would look like. And so God's people, by the way, those of you guys who got here early this morning and turned this public school into a church, God's people have been doing mobile church for a really long time. And so we're in this rich history here meeting in a Boston public school. So uh, we get to Exodus chapter 35 and, and it's time for them to pull the trigger, to execute on all that God has instructed them uh, to do. And so Exodus chapter 35, uh, we're going to pick up in verse 4. Now, this is a lengthy passage, okay? And so what I want you to do, I want to ask you to, to lean in as we read this, because this is a, a special moment. Picture, uh, you're one of God's people. You've got all this instruction. God says, you're going to be distinct. Here's how it's going to look. And then it's, it's time to pull the trigger to, to execute. And so let's read, uh, picking up in verse 4. So Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord, Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linens, goat's hair, tanned ram skins and goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and stones for setting for the ephod and for the breastplate. 
breastpiece. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle, its tents and its covering, its hooks and its frames, its bars, its pillars and its bases, the ark with its poles, the mercy seat, the veil of the screen, the table with its poles and all its utensils and the bread of the presence, the lampstand also for the light with its utensils and its lamps and the oil for the for the light and the altar of incense with its poles and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense and the screen for the door, the door at the door of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with its grating of bronze, its poles and all its utensils, the basin and its stands, the hangings of the courts, its pillars, its bases and the screen for the gate of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle and the pegs of the court and their cords and finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons for their service as priests. And then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting, for all its service, and for the holy garments. And so they came, both men and women, all who were of willing heart, brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets and all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns of, or fine linens or goat's hair or tan ram skins, goat skins brought them. And everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed a kea wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands, and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun the goat's hair. And the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastpiece and spices and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. And all the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a freewill offering to the Lord. What a cool moment for the people of Israel. Can you sense the excitement? You've been wandering the wilderness. God is up to something. He's going to move in your midst. He's preparing you. He's calling you out. You're distinct people. Now go. And they are moving. Now, I don't usually do this, but I, wanna, I just want to give you my outline up front for you note takers in here. In fact, you can pull up the church app and right at the top there is uh, the generous life image. You can click that and you can take notes right in the app if you'd like. What we're going to do is we're going to look at three things. So here, here's the outline for the remainder of our time together. We're going to look at the, the motive of a generous life. We're going to look at the measure of a generous life or the metric, and then we're going to look at the means of a generous life, or the way, or the, the avenues through which we can be generous. You got them? Motive, measure, and means. Let's start with the motive of a generous life. The motive of our generosity. Our motive is one of the things that makes us distinct as God's people. 
makes our generosity distinct from everybody else. Because listen, we're not under any illusion that we're the only people in the world that are generous Christians, right? There are plenty of people out there that are, that are extravagantly generous with, with what they have and, and yet are not followers of Jesus. Some of them vehemently not followers of Jesus, right? There are plenty of generous people out there, but what makes our generosity distinct is the motive. So back to Exodus chapter 35, we just read that there's this unbelievable movement of giving that's launched among Israel uh, right there at, at the base of Mount Sinai. And, and now context is key. Think about context. What are they coming out of when this moment happens? What, what just happened? They are just coming out of a ridiculous moment of rebellion against God. Like they had just seeing God miraculously move, bringing them out of slavery of Pharaoh. They saw God part the sea. They, they had bread given to them from heaven that it would, they'd wake up every morning and bread's on the ground for them to eat. They didn't have to do anything for it. Just, just pick it up and eat it. God gave them water from a rock in the middle of the desert. God gives them this beautiful plan as to how they're going to be this distinct people in the world. God, God tells them that, that you're going to be different. Here's how your worship is going to be different. You're not going to worship a statue like everybody else out there. You're going to worship the unseen God. You're going to worship the God of the universe. And then after all of that amazing stuff happening, Moses goes up to Mount Sinai to meet with God. And he comes off of the mountain. And he's carrying these two tablets of stone with the Ten Commandments on them. And as Moses is coming off of the mountain, he hears this roaring, this chanting, and this singing down below. And as he gets closer, he sees God's people dancing as they're chanting. And they're dancing around a baby golden cow. I mean, how ridiculous is that? And then, what does Moses do? He takes the stones, throws them on the ground, and they break. He's horribly angry. Horribly angry. The people of God, so unbelievably wishy-washy, after all that God had done, after all that God had done to free them from slavery and provide for them in the wilderness, they decide, you know, I don't know that we want to be distinct. like, every, like We, we kind of want to be like everybody else. So they take all of their gold and they throw it in a furnace and they heat it up and then they fashion out of this melted gold, a golden calf, so that they could worship something tangible that they could see breaking the first two of the ten commandments i mean they are still on the honeymoon essentially as god's people this is if god is the groom and these god's people are the bride this is like they just jumped into bed with another lover on their honeymoon i mean this is unbelievable and yet how does god respond god responds with mercy god responds with forgiveness god responds with grace and he keeps pursuing them. He keeps coming after them. He doesn't say, I'm done with you. But he keeps coming after them. And then, here we are. It's time to build. And in light of God's grace, in light of God's forgiveness, and his mercy, and his continual pursuit of them, it's time to build. And they say, wow, we have a, we have a good God. Let's, let's bring it. And I mean, they bring it, don't they? And they bring it, and they bring it, and they bring it. We'll read in a little bit, day after day after day. For a while, they just keep bringing it. It's this overwhelming moment of, of generosity. And what was the motivator? The motivator was the overwhelming graciousness of God to them. 
that he still loves them despite their sin and their rebellion, that he's still pursuing them, that he's not done with them, that he would continue to lavish on his people his love and his great despite their pigheadedness, despite their sin, despite their rebellion. For us, this same experience is found in Jesus, the gospel or the good news of Jesus, that we have sinned against God. We have sinned against an infinitely holy God and, and, and we, don't even, we can't even fathom just how serious our, our sin, our offense against him is. And yet the great irony is the fact that the one that we have sinned against is the only one who can save us from the consequences of our sin. That's, that's our God. And he comes and he becomes a man and he dies on the cross and he resurrects to life, defeating sin and death for us. That's the gospel. And the gospel is our great motivator of generosity. And that really is the premise for this entire series. Here it is. The big idea, the, the premise for the entire series is that because of God's great generosity towards us, Christians should be the most generous people on the planet. We should be the most generous people on the planet. That God has been so good to us and that should overflow through us. The generosity of God that's been shown to us should be shown through us to other people. What motivates us, catch this guys, if, if you're struggling with this, what motivates us is not trying to earn God's favor. Let me give so I can please God. What motivates us is not trying to validate ourselves. Let me give so that I, I can say that I got something. What, what motivates us should not be a, a guilty conscience. What motivates us rather should be, he has been so generous to me, not sparing his own son. And I want to be generous like him. I want to be like him. He's generous. I want to be generous. We do this to honor him, not to appease him. You ever got into like a, a, a gift giving spiral with somebody? You know what I'm talking about? When you give and they give and you try, each trying to outgive each other, right? Uh, and, and it's just, it's kind of a, a goofy thing. Like this Christmas, uh, I sent my oldest son on a little uh, gift reconnaissance mission. I said, hey buddy, here's the deal. Um, every year, my wife and I kind of talk about like how we're going to do Christmas. You know, like one year we said, you know what? No gifts for each other. We're going to like sponsor a child and that's going to be our Christmas gift to each other. This year, we weren't really clear on that. So I was like, I don't know. Should I get her like one thing, five things, I don't know. And so I sent my son on this reconnaissance mission. I said, hey, buddy, uh, talk to mom, figure it out. You don't, have, don't tell me what she got me, but, you know, you know, you know. And so he's like, I got you, dad. And so he comes back, Excel spreadsheets, and, you know, you know he doesn't do that, but almost. I mean, he's super type A like his dad. And uh, he comes back, and uh, he says, okay, so she got you four things. And uh, I don't know, I think it's probably like uh, about a hundred bucks total. I don't know. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to outgive her. And that's my, that's my objective every year is to, is to outgive her, right? Uh, here's the deal. You cannot outgive God. Can't. Romans chapter 520 uh, says that where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Listen, no games with God. You can't, you can't play games with God. Our sin is just going to keep on increasing and his grace is going to keep on abounding right, all the more. Romans chapter 5, Exodus chapter 35. God is so generous to us. and You're not giving to try to keep up with God. You're not giving to try to, to, try to earn his favor, to appease him, to validate yourself. That is not how it works. You can't, there's, it's not possible for anybody on the planet to ever, ever, ever outgive God. We are generous, not to earn God's favor, but as a, a, an overflow of his generosity to us. Now, ju listen, just to show you how much this series is not a money game in our minds, 
I'll tell you this, that if you are giving to appease God, to earn God's favor, to validate yourself, stop giving. Stop it. Stop it. I mean, we are not about indulgences here. I don't know if you've ever heard a pastor say, don't give. I'm serious. Don't give if you're giving to earn God's favor, to appease God. Stop, reset, reevaluate, check your heart. We are motivated by God's lavish grace to us. And we want to respond to that. And we want to be like him, understanding that we can never scratch the surface of his generosity to us. Also, uh, to, to, to solidify this in your heart, an, another Christmas observation. Uh, Becky and I will separately take our kids out around Christmas to uh, do gift shopping for the other parents. So I'll take my three and we'll go buy gifts for mama. And then she'll take the three and they'll go buy gifts for dad. Anybody do this? Yeah? No? Okay, maybe just me. All right, we did this. Um, and, and so uh, that's kind of how we do it. But <laughs> the reality is my kids pick out a gift for me and then they spend my money on me, right? And then my wife's got a job too. And so we go and pick out a gift for mama. And then we spend mama's money on mama. You see, you see what's going on here? I mean, it's kind, of a, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a thing, right? Likewise, we have to understand that when we're giving to God and to his mission and response as an overflow, it's his money anyhow, right? Like it's, it's his stuff anyhow, right? Every good and perfect gift comes from God from above, the Bible says, right? It, it came from him in the first. We're, we're simply stewards. We're simply managers of his resources. The village market down the road here. The manager of the village market manages the owner, and I know the owner, the owner of the village market's stuff, right? It's not his stuff. He's managing the owner's stuff. The boss owns it all. Jesus gives all kinds of great illustrations about that, by the way. So, so God, is, what he's doing in commanding us to give is he's, he's checking our hearts, seeing if we're going to take his gifts and run and say, thank you, God, I'm out of here. Or if we're going to say, you know what, I'm okay to release it back to you, God, because it's yours in the first place. You've just entrusted this stuff to my care. I'm just your manager, right? Our motivation is responding to God's generosity to us and affirming over and over and over and over again that, God, it's all yours anyhow, and I believe it's from you, and I trust you with it. So uh, next, and, and much faster. Uh, so we've looked at the motive. Now we're going to look at the measure of a generous life. How does God measure their gifts? What's, what's the metric of their gifts? One word. Heart. Heart. He didn't line them all up, you know, get Basilel in front of the line, and then Sholiab, the second person, and then Moses, and, and then Aaron. He goes forth because he made a big mistake with that whole, like, golden calf thing. And then the curtain lady, you know, she worked really hard over time because that's a lot of pipe and drape for that tabernacle, right? And so he didn't line them up and say, one, two, eh, no, switch places, you guys, like three, four. He didn't, that's not how he did it, right? He's not comparing the amount of money that they give, the amount of resources, acacia wood and, and linen and, and wood and stone. That he, He's not comparing their skill level well you know you got the craftsmen and then they're here and then the priests are over here because we all know like the the men of the cloth they don't they're really just not handy with anything so please don't fire me I don't know if I have any other uh, skills so uh, the the word is heart the word is heart God is looking for the heart behind your contribution to his mission he's looking for your heart Exodus chapter 35 verse 5 I'm going to give you a survey of this did you hear how many times the word heart came up in that passage? 
We, we, we often think, well, the New Testament's kind of about the heart, and the Old Testament's about the law and the commands. But did you hear? Exodus chapter 35, verse 5, whoever is of a generous heart, verse 21, everyone whose heart is stirred in him and whose spirit moved him brought the Lord's contribution. Verse 22, uh, all who were of a willing heart. Verse 25, all the women whose heart stirred them to use their skill. Verse 29, all the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything. When it's a move of God like this, just a, a, a God-sized movement of generosity and people give, they give not under compulsion, they give from their hearts. Second Corinthians chapter 9, 7 says, Each one must give as he has decided in his, anybody know it? In his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. God loves when you're generous, but not under compulsion. But you're generous because it comes from your heart and out of joy, out of an overflow of his graciousness to you. Parents, grandparents, aunties, uncles. You ever had, compared to when my kids go spend my money for a gift for me, compare that to when they are so excited they've been working on something at school and then they come and they're excited they made you something. Honestly, honestly I'd, I'd much rather that. That's the sweet spot right there. Not when they're spending my money. <laughs> May our hearts be so in love with God that we are eager, that we are cheerful, that we are excited to give. Now, watch just how eager and cheerful they were to give. I want to keep going. Exodus, skip over to 36, uh, the second half of three. It says, And they still continued bringing to him freewill offerings every morning, and all the skillful men who were performing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work which he, is, uh, he was performing. And they said to Moses, The people are bringing so much more than enough for the construction work which the Lord commanded us to perform. And so Moses issued a command, and a proclamation was circulated throughout the camp, saying, Let no man or woman any longer perform work for the contributions of the sanctuary. Thus the people were strained from bringing any more for the material they had was sufficient and more than enough for all the work to perform it the people were so cheerful and so generous and so excited to join in God's mission they were bringing every morning morning after morning after morning that it got to a point where the craftsmen had to say okay stop this is just this we're good now I just kind of dreaming for a moment what if we could we ever get to that place in Boston where it's like you know we're good we're good everybody in Boston is now giving their lives to Jesus poverty is eradicated orphans are no more uh, there's no more injustice we're good you don't you don't need to give anymore we're, we're good the people were so moved of God. Their hearts were so stirred by his generosity that they gave and 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 they gave and, they gave and mission was accomplished. But what did they give? Here's the last one. The means of a generous life. So we read through Exodus chapter 35. What did they give? If you look back at verses 5 through 9, they gave stuff. They gave gold, silver, blue and purple scarlet yarns, fine twine linen, goat's hair, tanned leather, right? Ram skins and goat skins, acacia wood, oil, spices, incense, stones, costly stones. This is the stuff. They give stuff. This also for them would encapsulate their, their money because they were in a, not a cash society, but a bartering society. So they gave their, their stuff. 
But what else did they give? Exodus chapter 36, verse 2. And Moses called Basilel and Oholiab and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him up to do the work. There's another, by the way, I missed that one. There's another heart stirred up. A heart stirred up to do the work. Exodus 36, verse 25. And every skillful woman uh, spun with her hands as they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and twine linen. So what else did they give? They also give their skill. Their skill. The means of their generosity are three things. Three things. Their time, their talent, and their treasure. And this is going to kind of be our outline for the next few weeks together. Time, talent, treasure. The outline for the Generous Life series. First of all, their their time and their talent. These people used the unique giftings that God had given them. And they used them for the Lord and for his mission. We read about carpenters, we read about seamstresses, we read about architects, we read about uh, priests, those pastors with no discernible skills like myself, right? Craftsmen and women making things like the breastplate and all kinds of other technical things that they, they made, right? They're using their skills. This platform that I'm standing on, we have a carpenter in the church who made that. These, these lights right here, I often hear people say, well, those are so cool. I'm like, yeah, somebody in the church made those for us, right? We have uh, bakers and coffee makers every Sunday. We have a photographer who puts all of our, gives us all these great photos for our, our social media to capture stories of what God's doing. We have administrators and we have finance people who do all kinds of stuff behind the scenes. You get it, right? Your, your, your talents. And to utilize those talents, it, it takes time, right? I mean, the people who get up here and, and lead music, skilled musicians, have, have worked countless hours to learn, to prepare, to, to lead us. That's their, their time and their, their talents, right? And then there's, there's the treasure, which is sometimes not so sexy, right? It's not so sexy to talk about your, your treasure, right? Because people rarely get praise for, for giving of their treasure. They get praise for, wow, the baked goods this morning were killer. Who made those lights? That's amazing. I got to tell that that's really, really cool. The music, the solo that you did was, was so great, right? But, but it's not so sexy to, to you know, the, the treasure piece, right, that somebody's got to pay the bills to to keep the lights on and to get us into a Boston Public School auditorium. But we're adults here, right? We're we're adults here. We know that we've got bills to pay. Nothing is free. To keep the ministry going in Boston, as we read here, every one of us has to contribute of our time, of our talent, and of our treasure. And so, here's how we close this morning. We close... By taking inventory, by, by sincerely thinking and, and hopefully leaving this place and, and praying and just asking God, my time, my talent, my treasure. God, it's, it's not yours or it's not mine. It's, it's, it's all yours. You're, you're, you're the owner. I'm the manager. And so would you show me what you have entrusted to me, what you've called me to steward? Would you show me what you, you've given me? And then as you start to see what has God given you in terms of time and talent and treasure, and you start to assess, what am I doing with that? Am I close-handed? Am I holding it tightly to myself? Or am I saying, you know what, God, it's yours anyhow, and I I trust you with it, and and I'm going to live the way you called me to live. I'm going to be generous in light of your generosity to me and your son, Jesus, right? Because your wallet doesn't lie. Your time doesn't lie. Your action, your involvement doesn't lie. It shows what you value and what you worship. And so inventory, inventory. 
What has God given you and how is he calling you to use it? And then the second thing that I would say for, for a response is that some of you in here, the last thing you need to leave here resolved to do this morning is to give. The first thing you need to leave resolved to do is to receive. To receive the generosity of God towards you. That God so loved you that he sent his only son to live perfectly the life you couldn't live and to die the death that he did not deserve, that we deserved in our place. He has given us his son, God's radical generosity towards us. And so some of us in here need to receive that gift need to be overwhelmed by his generosity before we go and say, I'm just going to go be generous. Because then we start dangerously getting in that territory of I'm giving to get validation. I'm giving to buy his favor. That is not what we want from anybody here. We give out of an overflow of the heart. We give cheerfully. We give in light of his grace to us. And so some of us in here, inventory. God, what are you giving me? And what are you calling me to do with it? And others of us, it's a prayer of just open hands and receiving. Because we need to receive what God has given us in Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful for your radical generosity to us. The gospel, the good news of Jesus is unbelievable. Unbelievable. There is no greater love than that someone would lay down their lives for their friends. And so thank you for your love and your grace that has been bestowed upon us who have been incredibly wicked, incredibly rebellious against you. We have lived our lives as if we have just, we, we made ourselves, we, we came to this earth on our own, that we had nothing to do with it. We've, we've lived as if it's all about me. And yet you didn't wipe your hands of us, but you pursued us and chased us down and you showed us your love and your generosity and your son Jesus. And so God, we're so thankful for that. And I pray that right now, if there's anybody in this place who has never given their life to Jesus, that today they would receive the, the gift, not the reward, they didn't earn it, the gift of Jesus. Your generous gift to us, your lavish love to us. Would they receive that this morning? They would call on your name and be saved. And then, God, I pray for everyone in this room who's following Jesus, Lord, that you would help them to take inventory of what they have. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would, you would stir us up towards conviction where we need conviction, if we're being greedy, if we're holding on to the time, talent, resources that you've given us. And help us, Lord, to assess what it says about our hearts, our values, and what we worship. God, we want you to be the center of everything for us. And so, God, would you realign us to your heart and we be like you, generous like you. Do your work in our midst. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.